Hey guys, welcome to the Hands Up Podcast. For once in our epic seven episodes, we're actually on time. Nailed it. Nailed it is right. Um, I was all by myself. I was alone. Um, you know, I was I was singing to myself and to you guys. But Pat showed up late, but he showed up. Uh, Hold on a minute. We just wh- we just established that this is the first ever podcast to go off on time. That's so because I set I everything up. <laughs> I'm on time for the podcast. I, I set nailed everything it. up. Yes. I set everything up. Yes. What did you do? You made sure that the podcast is streaming to the hands-on page and not my, my Facebook. What I did was create the scenario thing. where you can be successful. That's right. I let you You're get here. I let behind you every, a little bit behind of Behind every strong man, there's a, there's a stronger strong man <laughs> on, the, uh, on the mixer. <laughs> Letting you set it up. You mm-hmm. nailed it, Jim. I did nail it. You Thank you. It. I appreciate it. You you, you put me where I need to be. <laughs> I tried to. <laughs> um, I got I got nobody to my right. I got nobody to my left. I'm just staring across the way at Pat. There's not even a camera there. We, yeah. don't, we can't even show you. Uh, Dan is on the road today, coming back from a Thanksgiving vacation. And uh, the old man tweaked his back. He's hurting. So... And he might be uh, babysitting a little bit, too. So, the old man has taken some big shots and not complained about it. So I'm, yeah. I'm assuming that his back is pretty messed up. He was hobbling around pretty bad today. Yeah, yeah. He he pretty much he pa- he painted and he helped a little bit here and there, but uh, no, he did. He's uh, he works. He definitely works. So, um, so today w- w- we've got yet another. It's there's always a, a UFC card now. Um, they're one pretty much every weekend. So, um, we've got, uh, Whitaker versus Brunson, uh, coming up manana. Um, where is this fight card? This is in, this is in, uh, Australia, right? Melbourne, Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. I, I, there's a side of me that wants to fight down there, but then there's a side of me that's like, you know what? Fuck that shit. <laughs> Dealing with flying uh, across the world. Yeah, 30, what is, what 30 is the something seat time in that? that 30 I think it's like you're, uh, you're traveling for a day and a half. That's tough. Yeah. So, like, to, to show up there on a Tuesday before the fight, you're leaving here uh, probably on, like, Sunday. Um, yeah, flying across the country, then flying to Japan, and then on down – wouldn't be very cool to to have to do that a few days before a fight, particularly while while you're cutting a decent amount of weight. But uh, it'd be pretty awesome to to fight in front of those fans and and you know, I've never been to Australia, so um, it'd be pretty pre- pretty neat to go there. I'd rather I'd rather like somebody else goes and fights and then I get to you know dick around a little bit. You just hang <laughs> out. That's, yeah, that's the dream you know, right there. Uh, you, yeah, you still have to do stuff. You still have to be there for your fighter, but. Um, It'd be it'd be cool to be there, you know, and and, uh, and be there with the fights and stuff like that in the UFC. So, um, what's the what's the longest plane ride you've had to take for a fight? Uh, I've only I've fought in the United States. I've fought in Canada twice, and I've fought in England once. So the England was I think it's a seven hour flight, and then it's like a five hour difference. So you leave at seven o'clock at night, you arrive at seven a.m. in the morning, and uh, that kind of sucks. Did that time change jet lag fuck with you a little oh bit? Oh, yeah, it hurt me bad. It hurt me bad. I, I, I survived that week by being young. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think if I, if I, at 33, if I had to do that again, 
one, I'd bring melatonin to, to knock myself out. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I barely slept all week. And then uh, very, very rarely in my life do I pass out while not trying to fall asleep. And uh, it was like the day before the fight, I was talking to my, my wife, who was my fiance at the time. We're having a full-blown conversation, and I nodded off right in the middle of the conversation. <laughs> uh, the beds were probably as wide as this couch. We had, you know, my my uh, trainer at the time in there with uh, with us for the first couple days, and it was just uh, it was diff- difficult to sleep. But uh, and I, I basically made weight like that night, the or the night before rather. Um, the night before weigh-ins, that's what I mean to say. Um, yeah, I was like f- 56 and a half just because of not being comfortable uh, food-wise and, and all that stuff. And uh, and who was that fight? Uh, David Barron. Barron, I remember. That yeah. was your first fight, wasn't that it? That was my first fight in the UFC, yeah. Yeah, so it was, it was crazy because my first 12 fights were in New Jersey and 11 of those 12 were in Atlantic City. And then... Uh, Gets out with the UFC, and next thing you know, I'm fighting in England. So, pretty, pretty crazy. That fight ended well for you. <coughs> he, he had uh, he had some pretty big hype going into that. What has he, he done did. since then? He did. I don't. I don't. I think he fought once, once or twice after that. He ended up uh, taking some time off or getting hurt or something like that, uh, and then. Uh, and then he, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know, <laughs> but he definitely he he beat uh, he beat Sakurai. He was coming off a win over Sakurai, and you know what's that? Two fights uh, after mine, and uh, you know he beat a lot of studs, man. Beat Dan Hardy, um, I think twice, uh, and he was he was right up there with the strongest guys that I've ever fought. You know, uh, I think he's a he's a fireman. Um, over in France, and, and uh, that that like legit like you know the man strength. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like I'm still waiting for my man strength. Yeah, yeah. So am I. Uh, you know, it's just that different that that different type of strength that you, you some people have. And uh, he was one of those guys that was like pain in the ass to deal with. Um, but uh, it was a it was a cool experience. You know, it was a cool experience to to go over there and. Um, have that as my as my debut and uh you know you go from coming into the ufc and i was making five and five and then i got a bonus on that on that fight so uh that was pretty cool to go from (laughs) making uh a little bit of money to uh a good amount of money particularly for what i had been making up to that point so um it was definitely uh definitely pretty neat yeah, so we we pulled up the stats. He didn't do much after your fight. He yeah. uh, he had a, a draw with I'm gonna butcher this guy's name Gore Hertunian, mm-hmm. and then he lost to Jason Ponnet. But uh, he was he was on a tear there for yeah. a little while. Yeah, the fighting's a tough sport where you you get guys longevity in the sport is definitely not yeah. an easy thing to do. Yeah, uh-huh. and he was I think he was <coughs> uh, 35 when we fought, um, and for a lighter weight guy. You, you don't see many fighters uh, fighting after 35. Um, 
just because of the the speed that with uh, that you know that the fighters of those weight classes fight with um you know and i think you'll see the same thing as as you go lower in weight class you you definitely see younger guys kind of leading the pack and uh it's it's definitely more difficult for uh you know somebody out of that kind of peak stage of of early 30s to to keep up you're looking at uh at David, his first fight was in 1999, so he, he had a pretty good run there. Yeah, I didn't have a pube when I was in 1999. <laughs> 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 I, was, I was 13 years old. That's <laughs> uh, pretty crazy. Uh, but speaking about longevity in fighting, um, with this last fight, you became the most winning fighter in the lightweight division. Yeah. Um, pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um you know, it's uh, this one was a little weird because it was, it was technically a catch weight. Oh, so does it um, count? Yeah, so we weren't fighting at one seventies, but it was a catch weight, so it's kind of fudged a little bit. There's probably an asterisk next to it, but don't worry, my next fight, we'll get that one. You got it, and and you ha you were getting it from Gleason Tebow. Yes, who yeah. you did fight. Yes, and you did beat. So even if you didn't, I think you could argue that since you beat him, you deserve the record. That's true. Right. That would be my position on there it. There you go. Well, you know, you've, you've got my back. You put me in the right place. I do. I do. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it was also it was my, my 25th, you know, in, in the UFC, which is pretty, it's pretty crazy because um, <coughs> I – there are only a handful of guys that have over 20, and I don't, I don't think anybody's up to 30 yet. I think T-Bow, he's right there. He was knocking on the door. Uh, Matt Hughes has quite a few. Um, Michael Bisping is probably probably at the, like 28, 29 at this point. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. You know, it's a definitely in a uh, a cool group to be a part of. Uh, but yeah, you know, I wish uh, I w do wish things had gone a little bit differently in those uh, some of those earlier fights. But particularly once once I hit like my mid teens in, in the UFC, you had a little up and down. What the hell are you looking at? I am. Uh, I'm pulling up the the most fights, <coughs> and you were correct. It's Bisping. Yeah. And uh, he's got 27. There's a couple guys at 27. Bisping, Frank Mir, Tito Ortiz are all at 27. Uh -huh. um, and then T Bow's at 26. Hughes and Koscheck are both at 25. Mm -hmm. And then most wins. Bisping's on the top for most wins yeah. too. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. No, he's he's uh, he's always been active. You know, he's just kind of steadily been. <coughs> Uh, you know, plugging away, and uh, that's why it's it's cool to see him get the title and 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 be at that uh, you know the the top of the sport because he's definitely earned it, man. You know, you don't you don't see it a lot. You don't see that that surge later in somebody's career after they put that kind of mileage on their body. And uh, you know, I'm hoping you'll see it a second time. <laughs> 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 and uh, you know, uh, I I can get to that point, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it is cool. That's what it, it's it's something that I, I really like about you know his his journey. 
because um, this sport's all about timing, man. And it's uh, it's a lot easier when you're younger to to kind of deal with some of the things that you always end. You know, every fighter has to deal with. Every fighter, you you get a dozen fights or fifteen fights in the UFC, and you're bound to go out there sick as a dog one time, or uh, you know, fighting through an injury that you probably shouldn't have, uh, be fighting through, and um, all these types of things. You know, things are things are just bound to happen. Bad stuff goes wrong, um, and uh, it's just when you're when you're young and more flexible and more fluid and all that stuff, and uh, it's it, you know just you're just capable of of dealing with it i think a little bit easier but uh yeah it's pretty pretty neat we've talked about it a couple of times um <coughs> i don't know how in depth we've got to it on the podcast but just how your cha- your training is completely changed from when mm-hmm. you guys first came in yeah it's you know you you get to that point where where you are uh, you know uh a world class athlete and it's not so much like when you see guys kind of fading. It's not so much. It, it's not that the sport is passing them by at this point. Um, that's that's not what it is. You know, it's it's that you have more in your life going on that can cause problems, and it's harder to deal with them. You know, um, it's a lot easier to get sleep if you don't have kids. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And when you have a couple kids, it's it's not as easy, you know. It, it, if you have, I, I have four kids. That's that's four little petri dishes that go off to school, touch every doorknob that every other kid is slobbering on and sneezing on and all that stuff, and bringing that shit home, um, you know. And it's just uh, it's just one of those things that as you get older, you got to you know you, you you're bound to deal with more. You are t- supposedly getting smarter too, right? Like as you get older, you should get oh no. wiser. Yeah, no. You should be accumulating yeah. knowledge. No, it's just it's uh, it's getting beaten away, beaten out of me. Hey, uh, Scotty Bredwig had a pretty good question. <coughs> did I pronounce that right, Bredwig? Bredwig. Scotty, you can let us know if I yeah. did. And uh, he wanted to know what's your best fight to date, your favorite fight. My best fight, or like Yours. that I've been in. That's how I interpreted the question. Um, That's how we're gonna run with it. I, I, I know which one I should say, and the one that I, that I feel is my best fight. Um, people don't think is. Um, everybody says that you know, like the Lozon fight, the first one, was uh, you know because it was a great fight. You know, he, he, uh, he kept coming, and and it was a bloodbath, and um, it was a tough fight. You know. And uh, it definitely left a mark on people. Uh, it was one of those fights that left a mark on both of us. <laughs> and uh, it was something special. But for me personally, I'm looking for that, that perfect fight. To go out and do absolutely everything perfect. And the closest thing that I have to that is my fight against Fabrizio Camos. Um, you know, I went out and... We, you know, I was I was calm. I was actually calm for one of the the first times in my career. Um, you know, up to that point, I was always getting fired up and 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 being like on edge before the fight. And I got to that one, and it was just like, hey man, let's just let's just go have some fun. 
Um, and I went out. We got into a scramble. I ended up on my back, which wasn't perfect. Not with a, uh, a black belt of his yeah, level. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, you know, third degree black belt. But uh, I that the arm bar that I hit him with, it was one of those things that it, it wasn't. I'd never drilled that armbar entry in my life. Um, it's just that the opportunity for an armbar, something that is that is super basic, uh, you know, and a funda fundamental move. And I've drilled tens of thousands of armbars um, on completely different entries, but the arm was exposed, and my body did what it's supposed to do. It wasn't thinking about it. It was just uh, reactionary and. I'm confident in saying that is the most technically perfect armbar you've ever seen in the UFC. <laughs> the most technically perfect. Uh, he couldn't get out. It was one of those moves that he, he honestly, he couldn't get out. Um, I had the arm across the body, which makes it tighter. I had his leg trapped. Uh, he couldn't stack me. He couldn't uh, pull out. Um, if he tried to stack me, I would have rolled him. If he tried to pull out, it would have extended it even further. Um, you know, there are little things. There are little things that, that uh, you know, make it make arm bars tighter and, and stuff like that. And um, fortunately, I had them all, you know. And uh, like I said, I'm, I'm confident. I'm confident that it's I've, – I've never hit an arm bar that good uh, in training. And I, I can honestly say that. I think I've only arm barred one, one other guy in fight. So uh, that was my best. That was my best performance. I remember watching that fight, and I remember the, the lead-up. And he is a, a phenomenal jiu-jitsu black belt. Mm -hmm. And when uh, I remember when you went to your back, not that I don't think that you're a phenomenal Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt as well, but being like, fuck. <laughs> and uh, I'm, like, losing my mind when you hit that. I think everybody was just kind of, like, shocked yeah. when, that, when that happened. It was a weird entry. I didn't see you it know, coming. Uh, from, a, from sloppy, sloppy rubber guard. Um you know, he tried to throw a left hand. He opened his hip up, and uh, his right hand—you know—his right hand was on my chest, and it was just, like I said, it was just one of those fundamental things. Um, It—it's—it's it's awesome to be, you know, when when as a as a fighter and as somebody who's training, you you ha you want to be on that that edge of of like the new things, and that's why I was kind of playing with the rubber guard, but. The fundamentals are the fundamentals for a reason, you know, and, and you, there's there's not a person that's been here training and, and pretty much at any gym that's been training for a month that doesn't know a hook across an armbar, a triangle, a rear naked choke, and a guillotine. And those six techniques, if you get into an altercation with somebody, you know, if you get into an MMA fight with somebody, Chances are that you're either going to hurt them with one of those or they're going to hurt you with one of those. And that's really it. You know, the chances of somebody going into an MMA fight and you either hitting a, a, a truck to a, um, a twister or your opponent hitting that on you or, um, you know, a Legio Plata or, you know, one of these other things, you're, you're more likely to get struck by lightning twice. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh, but those those fundamental mo they they work, they just work. So you have to develop your game 
to to be better at the new things and try to be that you know one step ahead of people and do something that they've never seen before but you also have to be really good at the basics because the basics work you know wrapping your arms around somebody ne somebody's neck works controlling the head and neck whether it's in a triangle position or an arm triangle or something like that it it works you know um I hit one of like a handful of of knee bars in the UFC. I think there's only been there's been less than ten. That's actually a, a great lead in too. Randall Swagger asked about the Oliveira submission. Yeah, and that was that was pretty slick. And again, that was you kind of dove <coughs> on on the the ankle. Yeah, I went right? I went I went to a hold initially just because of the way the angle that we landed um, or that I landed. Uh, that was one of those things that, you know, I, I ended up taking him down, and I knew that he wouldn't he wouldn't be as strong and imposing lightweight. Uh, it's crazy that, you know, I fought him, and I was like, dude, it's like you got to go, you know, he's got to go down uh, because he's not a 55-pounder, but now and he has trouble. Yeah, didn't he 55. just miss yeah. 55? Yeah, well, he missed 45, yeah. Or he missed 45. Uh, by a lot. <coughs> um, but, you know, he's he was also young when we fought he was like freaking 20 or something um but yeah you know that that was just one of those things where I, it was it was there i you know i i i have a pretty good knee bar you know i've caught i've caught black belts I, I, everybody that i've trained with has to respect my knee bar um you know and i've trained with multiple time world champion black belts and guys way bigger than me and um and they have to respect it but the chances of me landing it are are less than me landing a guillotine or taking somebody's back and rear naked choking them or you know triangling them or something like that. You know, I I play with a cartwheel kick in here, <laughs> but I sure as shit, you know, don't don't think in my head that uh, uh it's gonna work, you know. In the UFC, I mean, there there might be the the opportunity where it might it might happen where I feel that it it might work. But I know that it's just one of those things that I, I play with it and I try to develop the skill. Um, but that skill and that technique is way behind my cross and my jab and my hook and, you know, my my rear leg round kick and stuff like that. So you kind of have to sometimes, like, shuffle it back a little bit. Uh, it's a it's an issue I think that some, some people get caught in, um, myself included. I... I, I brought skills and tried to use skills inside the octagon that I wasn't prepared that the skill wasn't prepared uh, I wasn't prepared enough at the skill to use inside the octagon um, you know and I've seen I've seen my peers fall into the same thing and typically it's the guys that that get to the UFC and get to that level of fighting a certain way and then you start developing these other skills over the over course of a, a year or two and um you pick them up because you're an athlete and you're, you know, you're a professional and your job is to train and, and all that stuff, but they're not ready. They're not ready yet uh, to be using against, you know, world-class competition. Uh, and, it, and it costs guys. I think, too, like, uh, you know, you're talking <coughs> about that the, the arm bar is basic, mm -hmm. and, and it is basic, but there's nothing basic about 
the way it gets set up, the way it gets put on, and and finishing it at that level. Yeah, it's basic, just like the double in wrestling is basic. But when you see a collegiate level or an Olympic level double, that's like the furthest thing from basic in the world. The setup is genius. The well, execution is genius. Arm bars are hardest out, man. <laughs> there are a million different shorties always there tell me to roll through, and I'm throwing ankles over and catching them on the other side. There are a, a million different ways to do it, um, but it is, you know, it's a <coughs> it's the the armbar is the armbar because it works. <laughs> you know, it uh, when you bend somebody's arm the wrong way, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> At a very basic level, yeah, that at is a very, 100% at a very, true. At a very basic level. <laughs> you cannot argue with that. Um, you know, and it's just, it is just one of those things that you, the, like me, myself, I, I'm not, I'm not good at setting things up. I don't, I don't try <laughs> to set things up. When I'm on the mat, when I'm in, you know, I'm in the octagon, I don't try to set things up because I know that I'm not good at that. Um, I try to f- I try to fight. I try to go, and I'm a very reaction-based fighter. You know, I was always that, that way in wrestling. Uh, I can count on one hand the times that I high crotch somebody in a, in a wrestling match, and I have drilled tens of thousands of high crotches in my lifetime. And I could just never set them up because it was one of those things that I never just my hand fighting never set it up, and. If I tried to set it up, I, w- I would force it, and it would, you know, my opponent would sprawl, and then, okay, well, I go to the dump. Um, but the times that I didn't have to think about it, the times that my body did it, they were they were awesome high crotches, you know? And uh, it's one of those, like, that's, that's where that armbar came from. That's tens of thousands of armbars. You know, drilling arm bars for five minutes at a time, and your legs feel like they're going numb because you're you're pinching, you know, and knees together, heels your butt type thing, and and uh, you know you do it enough times, and you don't have to think about it when when it's like a Venus flytrap, you know, the the, the fly <laughs> lands in it and it snaps shut, and that's just it, and uh, that's that's what I try to be. That's what I you know what 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 my goal is as a fighter is to just be that very instinctual and 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 reactive and, and uh, you know, take these complex movements and make them reflexes as opposed to plans. Um, but it doesn't, w- it doesn't work for everybody, you know. But So your, your game has obviously evolved. Um, Scott's asking early Jim Miller versus Jim Miller now, who would win? Uh, Jim Miller now would beat him up you, you, know. you gotta say that because early jim isn't here to defend he's not himself. here he yeah, would probably call here. you an old an old man and a bitch he probably would he yeah would. he wouldn't take that shit yeah no, no he, w- he wouldn't um no you know i i <coughs> that is you know it's, uh, obviously it's a hypothetical uh that we can't we can't do um but i know that i've improved a lot you know i i th- i think that it's it's harder for me to fight the way that I used to because it's, it's harder for me to train the way that I used to. Um, you know, the, the, the style that I train, I, I used to fight was based on the way that I used to train. And I, I had the mentality and even though I've never totally been a fan of the guy, but, uh, Frank Shamrock, when he beat Tito Ortiz, he basically just completely outworked him and made Tito collapse and, and 
give up. And it was the fucking coolest thing ever. <laughs> like, you know, because there's, there's nothing like breaking somebody. Like, it's cool, to, it's cool to submit somebody. It's cool to, you know, okay, you choke somebody out. They didn't choose to be out of the fight, you know. Where you submit them, they choose to be out of the fight. But you still have them in, in, in deep trouble. When you work somebody to the point where you see the fight leave them, and you look across, and usually it's you see it on the stool, and you look across the cage, and you just see somebody just lose that confidence and, uh, you know, the fight just leaving them. It's, it's a fucking rush. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, it is the, it is the, uh, it is the, the greatest feeling inside the cage. Like, uh, it's better than winning. It's better than winning because it's like, uh, you see something just laid out on a platter for you and you know that you're going to go out and take it, you know, and, uh, you know, I've gotten to see it a couple of times. So it's, it's hard. And I used to train like that. I'd, I'd be in the room and, you know, there were no rounds off. There were no, uh, there was nothing, <laughs> you know, it was just freaking balls to the wall, uh, for as long as I could. And, and that was pretty much forever. Um, and I can't do that anymore, but, uh, but I train a lot better now and I, and I make sure that I'm improving every practice as opposed to just going and going through the motions. Um, but yeah, I think that, I think I would, uh, I would catch the old me, you know, pretty good. So <laughs> another good one from, uh, from our friend TJ Mitch, how many calories did you ingest yesterday? And he's he's not even asking if you <coughs> ate more than Dan. He's already assuming. Never. Yeah. He said, "How many more did Dan put away?" Uh, well, Dan wasn't. We weren't. We weren't together. Um, but I assume that Dan probably ate three times more than me. Um, he's not even here to defend himself. He's not even here to defend himself. But I think it's an accurate, it's an accurate assumption. Um, I I had a a nice big rounded plate, um, <coughs> and then. Uh, then I got into some dessert, and I almost threw up. I, I was sitting at at the table, and I ate. I made a an, uh, a an apple pie cheesecake. So it was basically exactly what it sounds like: an apple pie and a cheesecake. And uh, I got done wolfing down <laughs> a slice of that, and I'm just like sitting, and I started getting that like clammy feeling. I'm like, oh shit! I better go outside and get some air. And uh, yeah, I almost, I almost yacked. I almost put it back up, but I was able to fight through it and keep it down. That's perseverance. It is. You, you know, held out. You know, that's all those years of training, man. And just, you know, and you you push yourself and you push your body. <laughs> you have control over your body. I I think you throw up <coughs> more than anybody else I know. <laughs> and I, I do think that you have a very weak gag reflex. I, I have a terribly weak gag reflex. Uh, <laughs> and I'm glad that you didn't know that I was sick that one summer. What? Remember when I would I would just, I told you I would just puke. and you Because of the smelly things. Yeah. 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 Because you would have teased me. And you would have made me puke. Oh, I would have, yeah, brought yeah. smelly stuff yeah, around. Yeah, it would have been terrible. Now it's just oysters. I could just yeah. be like, Jim, just oysters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
Yeah, you know, it was. I don't know what it was. I got something that the kids had, and then for like a couple weeks, if I smelled something strong, my morning coffee, if I th- every time I took out the garbage, every time I took out the garbage for like two months, I would puke. <laughs> I'd be like <laughs> carrying it down the driveway and just, <laughs> and just yak. It was it was really weird. You've got a lot of things going for you. Not yeah. puking isn't one of them. No, it's not one you of them. you got to know your strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. If it was fear factor and you had to eat stuff, you would suck at that. Probably. You would suck at eating. Probably. Things. Not not because of – not because it, like – it's just that when it decides to go, it goes. I've got no problem with that. Get it out. <laughs> <laughs> you can't argue with that. Yeah. Hey, Amr's asking uh, about your thoughts on Cormier, another AK <coughs> fighter getting injured and now missing UFC 206. They're, they're having a bad run. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I don't know, man. You don't get you don't get paid to train, and and <laughs> like I think that's one of the biggest things in the way that I train now, and and why why I made the shift is it's I I'm I'm the sole provider for my family man and if i don't make it to the fight i don't get paid and would it would i like to train a little bit different yeah i would i enjoy i enjoy training hard but i haven't found a way to get paid the kind of money you know to train that i do to fight and uh you know granted cormier's got a cushy uh broadcasting job and stuff like that but you don't you don't advance your career you don't uh you don't get paid you don't you don't do a lot of things if if you don't fight if you if you get injured and you have to pull out um and and you know i've been lucky that i haven't had to uh you know ever pull out of a fight but um it's a, it's also one of those things that i i i've dealt with my fair share of uh injuries going into fights and and stuff like that and and dealt with those things and um a lot of it i think is attitude you know and 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 the second you feel that you shouldn't fight is when you shouldn't fight uh it's the same thing with when taking short notice fights if you feel like you know if you're not 100 percent on it then you shouldn't do it and that's all i tell everybody that ever gets offered one of these fights you know if if uh if you feel any type of doubt going into it, then don't do it. So how is he? How is he back working the switcher? And Andy's handing me beers at the same time. This is amazing. I see. I'm looking over here. I'm confusing you guys. This, he is. He's. He's. He's a ghost. <laughs> he's got the Zulu sticking out of his pocket. You're gonna lose that thing. I do. I want to put it in my belt, but I'm too fat, and it digs into my love handle. So. Got to deal with it. Yeah. Oh. This uh, drink he made me is starting to starting to make me want to puke. Yep. <laughs> Maybe we can get you to throw up on camera. That would be awesome. Would Wouldn't be the day. first time I puked into a beer glass. I, you were talking kind of about training and you know Cormier getting getting hurt, and I've been thinking about stuff to discuss on the podcast <coughs> that would be interesting. And I've come up, and it's kind of like philosophical, and I'm going to try to explain it. But what we see 
inside the octagon. I want to put my face up here too, so people yeah. can see how passionate yeah. I am about this. Yeah. It's just if you such could shed a tear, that'd be I, great. I might, yeah. And if I can't, I'll punch myself in the balls, and that'll probably make <laughs> me cry or yak. And then <laughs> <laughs> we see such a small piece, right? Like mm -hmm. that. Those 15 minutes are nothing compared yeah. to the training. So the the chance of those 15 minutes being your best are the odds are terrible. Yeah, I'm not good at math. So. Do you remember a time training for a fight where you were just on like like holy shit this is this is it that everything clicked that the the fight fans will never get to see but there was a day that Jim Miller walked into the cage and was just everything clicked and it the world was right there there were a couple times where you, I I felt like you know uh I felt really good <laughs> you know, you and fortunately, yeah, I, I've had you know uh, a majority of my career has kind of been like that. I feel good, and, and um, I, I'm not the type that gets upset about having a bad day. You know, I've trained with plenty of guys that they have a bad day, and uh, they punch a hole in the wall, or they Joe Tizana, <laughs> <laughs> or they or they do something stupid. You know, like something reckless with the training partner, or they're they're cursing and swearing off the mat, and um, I, I've never I, I've never been the type to take it personally, you know. I, I know that I'm gonna have bad days in the gym, and I know that I'm gonna have my absolute fucking worst days ever on the mats in the gym, and I'm gonna have my best days ever on the mats in the gym, and that's just the way that it is because you know you're like you said, 15 minutes, one night. If you're lucky, three nights, a, three nights a year, you know, uh, maybe a couple more. <laughs> it's like to think of all the hours that I've put in, and then the time that I've actually been fighting. It's, uh, I mean, shit. It it probably wouldn't amount to more than a week of training. Like actual fight time wouldn't amount to the amount of training that I do in one week. That's yeah. crazy. It's crazy how it's such like an iceberg that yeah. we, we see so little of it. And that's w like the real heroics are not, you know, the getting up from the punch or from, you know, throwing a crazy head kick. The heroics are from getting in here every day, from dropping the kids off at the bus mm. and, you know, getting up when it's not easy yeah. and making it in here. Yeah. Mm. You know, and then, <coughs> excuse me, um, you know, everybody's got something. Everybody's got something to deal with. You know, some 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 shit outside of fighting, outside of training that they have to deal with. Uh, and that's, you know, that is the hard part. And and a vast majority of the people that are going to make it in MMA and make it to the higher levels of the sport, uh, you know, they're going to love the training and they're going to enjoy it and they're going to enjoy the push and, and, and all that stuff. And they're not going to be egomaniacs and... and get upset about things um but they're you know the hardest part of their day is going to be something that's not not on the mats um you know, so it, it is uh it is tough sometimes because you you definitely you definitely do have those those times where uh you know you're training it's like man i wish i could have fought you know this guy when I felt like this, uh, 
I mean, shit. When I when I walk around, when I when I walk around up over 184, which hasn't been for a couple of years now. Um, there was a, a point in my career where I was a bit heavier. Um, you know, I've taken taken the weight off uh, over the last couple, but um, when I was, I'd hit that weight, and it's like. I don't know what it was, you know, the, the, the extra weight in my hips or something like that. And it's like every punch you throw in the training room is, uh, is landing and, and hitting hard. And, you know, it sucks because you're banging up your training partners a little bit, but it's like, shit, I wish I could do that inside the cage. <laughs> but I'm all, I was also, you know, 15 pounds heavier than I have ever been inside the octagon. Um, so Yes, it's uh, it is that double-edged sword. Timing's really a bitch, man. It seems mm -hmm. like it's better to be lucky than good. That's what everybody says, right? You, yeah. You just the time has to yeah. be right. Definitely. Spe speaking of time, our uh, our jujitsu coach, 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 our jujitsu coach, Shorty can't seem to get a fight. But I guess uh, on one of these next cards coming up December third, Rob Font needs an opponent. Maybe his guy yeah. his guy dropped out. So yeah, some I think he's a bantamweight, right? Yeah, yeah. There's some lobbying to get. I'd love yeah. to see Shorty's been training anyway, so he'd be yeah. Uh, he's ready to go. Shorty's ready to go, go and, and he's fought at 35 quite a few times. And um, get him in there, man. That's another guy that just doesn't like give a shit. Like we were talking about how they have to take the decision out of your hands because you're always going to say yes yeah. to the fight. And oh, and, and like in the room, he just he's always. He's not a never a tough guy, but he's just always ready. Doesn't yeah. it? Nothing affects him. Yeah. So you could say, "Yeah, sure. Do you want to fight tomorrow? Yep, yeah, let's do it." And yeah. uh, and this would be perfect timing because yeah. he actually is training pretty hard for his yeah. uh, his SMG fight. But yeah, yeah ugh, I'd love to see him in there. Yeah, be good. Hey, Randall wants to know what do you think about Machida saying he wasn't educated on USADA banned supplements? Um, you know. There, he he did pose a pretty good uh, point in that it wasn't until after he got hit for it that they made they made things a lot more streamlined for us and a lot easier for us to to look things up and and to make sure that we weren't uh, we weren't using anything. But I personally, I I I take protein, I take amino acids you know, vitamins, and uh, occasionally I take a pre-workout. Um, the only thing that I take that you would have to potentially wear is that pre-workout. Because sometimes companies throw fucking whatever in there. But these guys got to know that when you're taking something that, like, you you know, you're taking these higher-end designer-type friggin' uh, supplements and stuff like that, there's there is a potential there's a potential that that there's something in there that you can't pronounce the name of it then it's banned so why not check there is a list you you could there was always that that database that you could type it in and, and search it um, but they did streamline it a bit more for us recently um, so it's uh, it's his own fault man you gotta you gotta take responsibility for it uh, know and, and the the whole like playing dumb thing 
I don't know. It gets a little old sometimes because, like I said, if, if you're taking the couple of things that you know that, okay, well, I, I train four or five, six hours a day, so I need to supplement with some protein and, uh, to, to get, uh, you know, to get extra protein and extra calories and all this stuff. And, you know, that's, you're not, you're pretty unlikely to get a tainted, uh, tainted protein. It's like the pro hormone shit and like, uh, these whatever mask. I, the problem is, is I don't even know supplements that well. <laughs> I take vitamin D. Like if I don't take vitamin D, which is, it's crazy because I, I get a decent amount of sun, you know, even though I'm pasty and pale and you know, the, the, the Irish in me definitely shows, um, if I if I don't take vitamin D uh, because I I just naturally don't produce enough of it I feel like fucking garbage, and that was only you know a relatively recent development, a couple years ago, um, but yeah that's like the only one that like I feel like I need to take. As as like a normal person, which I'm gonna pretend I am for a minute. You know, you would think, oh, steroids are banned, growth hormone is banned, but there's a lot of stuff that that is not a steroid per se or growth hormone that is banned. That yes. even like vitamin D could get you yeah. jammed up. Excuse me. Correct. Uh, yeah. If you take there, are, there's a shitload that um, you can't take, like in fight. Um, <coughs> so you can, like, you can get. You can you can do cocaine and marijuana and and all these things you know these these recreational drugs and you can take a piss test right after doing some blow and it doesn't matter uh, because it's out of competition and they're not worried about that out of competition stuff like vitamin D caffeine if you have caffeine in your system um, from your post fight you know, uh, urine test. You know, caffeine is a performance enhancer in competition. So, granted, you you metabolize caffeine within like a matter of minutes from ingesting it. So, for you to to test positive for caffeine immediately after a fight means that you friggin' took some caffeine pills right before the fight, or you know, or like <laughs> drinking a half gallon of coffee right before the fight. Uh, and the same goes with like vitamin D and 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 some of the other things that that are that are banned in competition, but uh, you know allowed out of competition. So I think that's interesting because I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought that vitamin D and a pot of coffee before a fight maybe it wouldn't have been something I wanted to do, but I wouldn't have think that that would get you failed, suspended. Yeah, it's a banned substance. It's crazy. So yeah, that's uh, I I could see <coughs> where Machida was like you know if he's it not. If he's not shooting straight testosterone in his arm, he thinks he's good, and then all yeah. of a sudden, oh, this is something yeah. you can't pronounce on a list somewhere that you didn't have time to read, and and now you're a cheater. Yeah, you know that that doesn't seem right. It's, I the, like I said, I don't know enough about supplements in general to to really be uh, giving too much input on this shit. <laughs> um, but I don't know exactly what he ended up failing for. Um, you know, but like I said, it, it, a, a lot of times it seems like these guys are taking those, you know, testosterone boosters and stuff like that that um, 
they kind of know that they're skirting the line. Um, but, but it is weird, you know. Like y- you can't. I mean, shit, you can't take Advil. Uh, you know, I mean, like if you if you. The only the only thing the only thing you're allowed to like. Take before a fight is is a Tylenol. Like if you they they say fight week if you have a headache or something like that you can take Tylenol. Um, uh, everything else it's like I I always get fucking congested as shit, and it's like all right well you got kind of got to deal with it because even a f- even nasal spray even nasal spray has like a, a a steroid in it and granted it's not a anabolic, but it's still something that you're gonna fail for and then uh, and then you're fucked. <laughs> So I, I just looked it up. He he failed for DHEA. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Now now we have to look up DHEA. DHEA. It sounds good. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to get my hands on some DHEA. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you would. No, it's a uh, it's like an over the counter. I mean, we could buy it right now. It can improve sex drive, mm-hmm. so maybe he wasn't even trying to fight harder. Hey. It's a hormone-based. Oh, so it is. It is like the pro-hormone class. Yeah. yeah. So the way I understand it is that there was uh, there were some specific <coughs> compounds for steroids, and they just kind of altered the compounds a little bit. So it was basically steroids with yeah. a, a slightly different alteration. And maybe that's what we have here. Mm-hmm. DHEA is a hormone produced by your body's adrenal glands. These are the glands above your kidneys. It can be made from wild yam or soy. <laughs> so if it's <laughs> if it's wild yam, I think obviously that's illegal. Yeah. Wild yam will get you jammed up. Yeah, well. Supplementing your belly is what I want to talk about. Have you? Have you? <laughs> I, I wish you had the belly shirt back on. Hold <laughs> up. When when are pheasant pot pies coming back in? What are pheasant pot pies coming back in? Um, well, we got a couple. Uh, got a couple on Thanksgiving yesterday. Yeah, it was pretty. It was, it was a pretty good day of hunting. It started a little bit slow. Um, Jersey Jersey pheasants. They're not. They don't winter over here, so they're a stock bird. Um, so it's. I'm sure there's going to be people farm raised. Um, I don't want to hear that shit. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a question about that, don't yeah, write it. Yeah, in. don't even don't, don't, even, don't, don't even waste that. don't even waste my time. Yeah. Um, I might ask it just to get you fired up. Yeah, um, Sarah says you're a bitch for yeah. hunting a farm raised bird. That's right. It's just a fancy chicken. <laughs> um, it's for the dogs, you know. And that's that's the that's the thing is we like we went out and it was uh, my dad and I and we had his his two so Dexter or uh, not Dexter. Uh, Hank and, and Ellie. Um, Hank is 13 and a half years old. Ellie's... I don't even know how old Ellie is now. 10? Something like that. Um, yeah, she's got to be 10 because she's older than... She was younger than Polly, so yeah, yeah she has to be 10. Um, and the... the, <laughs> the They ended up uh, breeding the two of them, and they're English pointers, by the way. Um, and Ellie probably—I ha- I guarantee you—that she has 
German short hair in her lines. Um, even though she was, uh, you know, she was, we bought her from a kennel and all that stuff. And, and uh, you know, she was supposed to be pure red and all that crap. But th- she's, and she's tiny. She's, she's like legitimate, like pointer size, like English pointer size. Because English pointers are, typically aren't that big. They're usually stocky, low to the ground. And, you know, not, not a very big dog. And she had seven pups. Every single one of them <laughs> is, uh, is or was at least like 25 pounds heavier than she was, um, and that's insane. Because Hank's not a big dog. Hank is like 50 pounds. They're all gigantic. And <laughs> Dexter, <laughs> once we cropped his tail and 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 took his balls off, uh, he's he's over 90 pounds. That freaking moose, um, and he was always he's got a He's a very tall dog. He's he's you know lanky and and uh, all of his his brothers. He's got some big brothers, um, but he was probably like two inches taller at the hips and shoulders than than any one of them. Um, and now he's four inches wider at the hips <laughs> and shoulders than any one of them. Um, but uh, so yeah, we went out and it was. Hank and Ellie, and then we brought we brought Dexter, um, and they were the the pheasants. They'll roost sometimes, particularly when it's like crappy out. Um, they'll hop up in the trees, and some guys just blast them out of the trees. We tr- we get them to fly. We we throw stuff at them until they <laughs> they get out of the tree. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I thought there was going to be something more eloquent. Throwing <coughs> no, things at. No, them. yeah, you you throw shit at them. Actually, you do a uh, native mating call, and yeah. uh, that makes the bird want to take flight. Yeah. Yeah, we could do that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so like we we found one in the tree, you know, a cockbird in a tree, and 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 Dad ended up throwing something at it, you know. And I got it with his left. No, not with his left. He'd be like, <laughs> um, and then we were walking back, and we walked back by this hedgerow that we had just we had walked by, and probably eight to ten guys with their dogs had walked by, and I turned to my my dad to say something to him, and there was a cockbird buried in this bush and uh he would not get out dad actually had to poke him with a stick to get <laughs> to get him to to fly uh and the thing was is 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 hank is he's he had he injured himself uh this past spring um he messed his back up somehow um possibly herniate a disc or something like that. You know, and uh, with with a dog it's like you'd spend five grand on a on an MRI of him. Um you know, and he's thirteen years old. So and then if he if he did, you know, rupture something or, or uh you know, slip a disc, then it's to to do the surgery on him is another like seven. So you're looking at spending thirteen grand on the dog. Um and that's not that's not happening. Um so he had some tough times for a little bit, having keeping his his hind legs, uh, you know, balanced. So my dad was actually going to make a little dolly for him, a little cart for his back legs. Um, but he's he's gotten his his uh, his fortitude back enough to go hunting. But Hank is uh, he's a fantastic. Don't let my father hear this. He's a fantastic bird dog. Uh, I heard that that Hank and Ellie are the best. No, they're not the best. That's <laughs> no, Dexter. Dexter is the best. 
Um, Dexter is Jim's dog. Dexter, the, Dexter uh, is the, the best. Yeah. Home. And uh, so obviously he's biased, but I I've heard that uh, uh, Susie was probably the best. She was probably the best. Um, you know, and if she were still around today, she I guarantee you she'd be the best. But uh, she was my other dog, and she was phenomenal. She backed naturally. Like I didn't have to train her to back. She backed any of the other dogs when they would go on point. Even when Hank pointed turkeys, she backed it. Um, so we, we, you know, we were trying to get Hank some birds, you know, and get him to 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 be able to chomp on some birds and stuff like that. And and he he retrieves. He'll he'll like bathe them if they're if they're up in the tree. He would sit there and he'd bark and and uh, and let us know where he was. Um, sometimes he would just come back with a bird. He would catch pheasants. Um, yeah, and that's a good hunting dog. Yeah, that is we a, could just a fantastic sit at home, hunting dog. Yeah. Get the <coughs> pot pie crust ready and yeah. he could just come in the door with yeah. the bird. Yeah, he would be nice. Uh he he's a he's a good dog. He's a definitely a good dog. Now, unfortunately, he's kinda blind and he's deaf. I mean he is deaf as hell. <laughs> <laughs> so I shot the one the second one we got out of the tree and, and uh he you know, Hank Hank got on it and he carries it out, you know, brings it over to my dad. Um and the limit's two two per person, so you know, we uh we had two and, and we we worked our way back up around this hedgerow and these other guys that have a crappy dog uh had had worked by there before and Dexter went on point um at the the, the edge of the one field where it goes into a swamp and uh of course Ellie busts him out, just completely runs runs right right through, knows he's on point and, and um, blows the bird out, blows the hen bird out. So I get the hen, and then uh, again, Hank Hank picks it up and he retrieves it to me, and and then uh, and then they're working through, and then Ellie bumped out uh, two cockbirds. So it's like, holy shit! Here's my chance. I've been hunting pheasants for I don't know, 17 years, more than that, 18 years, and I've never gotten the chance to get a double. Like, it's elusive. It's it is elusive. Uh, we had one opportunity where we <coughs> we kicked up a whole crate, but it was me and Michael and Dan and the D's. Is that when you shot Michael? No, I didn't shoot Michael. It was a I technically time. shot Michael. You did shoot Michael. You a bullet from no, it was a flyer. A pellet from hey, listen, your gun listen. lodged in Michael's leg. You you shot Michael. This is, I did shoot Michael. You but stabbed this, me and you you're shot giving Michael. Me a, this is a bad look. This is a bad look. I, Giraffe. I, this is true. Giraffe. This is true. Jim has stabbed <laughs> me, and he shot his brother. All right. It happens. Hashtag truth. <laughs> it does not happen. I've never shot anybody. I've never <laughs> stabbed you've anyone. Never, you've never shot your gun. <laughs> um, so, so we had, like, a whole crate, like, fucking six of them go up in front of us and, like, a melee breakout. Um but this is like my first chance to like an actual double. But I can only shoot one bird, because if I shoot the second one, then we're then we're uh, you know over limit. So I shoot the one, and I see him go down, and I probably wouldn't have got because they were flying away. I probably wouldn't have got the second one even if I had the opportunity to. Um, so I go kind of trotting up to to make sure because he he kind of fluttered down. He didn't he didn't you know fold up. Um, so I. <laughs> I go around, and as I'm coming around the hedgerow, I see Hank 
and he's got the bird in his mouth, and he's running the opposite way down the other side of the path. So I like, you know, going around like, hey, yelling at him, and he just doesn't even move his head. Um, so he starts bringing the bird this way as I'm like looping around, and then he's like, I'm behind him and I'm screaming at him, and he goes up and over this little hill, and I'm like, you know, shit. I'm try trying to get video of this this deaf dog running away with a bird. And uh, I go up over the hill, and he's gone. I'm like, fuck, where the hell did Hank go? So uh, so I, I keep going down, and I look across, and then I see Hank running without a bird in his mouth. And then I hear some cackling uh, off kind of like straight ahead of me. I'm like, shit, the fucking dog dropped the bird, and the bird got away. You know, like, holy shit, Hank, Hank doesn't put birds down. Like, Ellie will go up, and she'll bite a bird, you know, and, like, stop if it's flapping around or something. And then she just, like, fuck this shit. It's on the ground, and she runs away. And then sometimes, you know, they, they bolt. Hank is not that type. Hank is a type to sit there and chomp the bird <laughs> until the bird <laughs> stops moving. Um, and I'm like, oh, man, like, this is a Greek tragedy. You know, like, here it is. Probably one of the last birds that Hank's ever going to be able to retrieve, and he just fucks it up. <laughs> and so I'm looking for this other bird. I got Dex and, and uh, Dexter and Ellie, and, and they're they're rooting around, and they're getting a little birdie towards the end. So I'm thinking that it may be busted out. And I hear Dad swearing at Hank, like, how would you lose the bird, Hank? And he starts walking back to where I was when I shot the bird. Hank put the bird down exactly where I was when I shot that bird. That's awesome. Like, exactly. He left it there for He you. left it. He couldn't see us. He couldn't hear us. So he put the bird exactly yeah. where I was standing. You fucked I, up by I moving. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, God damn, I can't hung with these guys. Where the hell yeah, is I he? I can't take him anywhere. I can't take him anywhere. You know, and it's like, oh, man. It's like. That's a good dog. He is a good dog. He is a good dog. He's uh, He's gotten a lot of birds for us. He's a good boy. You know, like I said, he'll, he was the type that would, if they were in the in the hedges and stuff like that, trying to get up, he'd jump up and grab them. So, yeah, good dog, but don't let, don't let the old man hear about that. All right? Nobody's allowed to tell him that. So Jim admitted that Hank is the best hunting dog. No, he's not the best hunting dog. Dexter, is, Dexter will do the same exact things that, that Hank will do. He will retrieve. He will bay. And he points like freaking uh, uh, a Greek god and he's and he's <laughs> 95 pounds he got caught <laughs> he had he went out ahead of us in front of these guys and he he busted a, a cockbird out of this one field right next to a safety zone um, and uh, yeah oh yeah that that uh, that really huge pointer with the half a tail kicked one out um, yeah he's fat but he's a good boy too so uh, I think that's all we have for you today. Um, thank you for tuning in to the Hands-On Podcast. I'm Jim Miller, Pat McGurn, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.